Good morning again. The scripture reading for this morning is taken from James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Words matter. Words express our inner thoughts, reveal our hearts, disclose our intentions, convey our desires. Words enable us to communicate, commune, love, or hate, destroy, confuse. A single word can launch a war or spark a romance. Words are powerful. Funny words make us laugh. Stunning words make us go silent. Inspiring words make us drop everything and move 10,000 miles. We are formed by words. Some of us are haunted by words spoken to us years ago. Words tell stories. They tell us who we are, whose we are. We are made by words. We are shaped by words. We are changed by words. Words matter. So it shouldn't surprise us, perhaps, that God's words matter most of all. God's words, more than any other words, make us, form us, change us, tell us who He is, who we are which is why our passage today invites us to embrace what you might call a word-formed faith, a life, a whole life centered on, rooted in, shaped by the very Word of God. As we saw last week, James has already reminded us about the power of God's Word. It was through the Word of Truth, we were told in verse 18, that God gave us birth produced within us spiritual life. In today's passage, James continues the theme. In verse 21, he describes God's word as the word planted in you like a seed that sprouts and, and gives life. God's word gives us power to change. It's the source of new behavior, a, a new life. In verses 23 to 25, James also likens God's word to a, a, a mirror. It's how we can see ourselves truly, discover who we really are. The Bible is an invitation to know God even as you come to know yourself. It's also an invitation to freedom. 
Verse 25 describes God's word as the perfect law that gives freedom. Even the commands of God, if we would only abide by them, even the commands of God liberate us from our selfishness. Even the commands of God unleash the power of God's love in our lives. Don't you want to be free? Then, says James, behold the word of God. But how are we to relate to God's word? Uh, this passage gives us two answers to that question, teaches us two things. The first is that we must listen to the word. Listen to the word. Repeatedly in this passage, in verses 19 and 22 and 23 and 25, we're told to listen. Listen to the word. Or as other translations put it, be a hearer of the word, a listener. Clearly, James isn't simply talking about the physiological act or the fact of hearing. You know, the, the stimulation of the auditory nerves that run right into your inner ear to your brain. No, he's talking about the moral act of hearing and receiving God's word, choosing to allow the word to disrupt us, to heal us, to form us, to change us. That's why verse 21 tells us to humbly accept the word planted in you. And, and do you know why that phrasing humbly accept is so helpful? Because it alerts us to the reality that our natural disposition is to do just the opposite, to proudly reject the word, especially when it tells us uncomfortable truths about ourselves. By this, I don't mean that we're literally burning Bibles or cutting out paragraphs or pages with scissors, pages we don't like. But I do mean we tend to act as though we're the ultimate editor. That can't be true. I don't like that. Take that out. We demand that the Bible should submit to our authority rather than the other way around. Friends, here is an, an invitation to humbly accept the word, to allow God's voice his voice of love, his voice of truth, his voice of grace to influence in every part of our lives as the final authority and guide. This is not simply a command to obedience to scripture. It's also an invitation, you know, to the freedom and the beauty and the life-changing power of God's word. But notice something peculiar about this passage. Here's how it begins. Verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now that sentence alone is really worth reflecting on the rest of this week. We, we need to be slow to speak, slow to reply, retort, blurt out our opinion all the time. We even need to stop thinking about our response or comeback while the other person is still talking. I mean, anyone else guilty? I am. We need to be quick to listen. Listen first. Listen quietly. <laughs> listen receptively. Listen actively. Listen teachably. And the Bible says we need to do this because it's the only way to grow in wisdom. It's the only way to gain from people's words. As Proverbs 18, 13 says, the answer before, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. 
in Proverbs 13, verse 3, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. And we must be slow to become angry because hasty speech and destructive anger come from the same impulsive place in the human heart. A quick-tempered person is almost always a quick-tongued person. This is a convicting lesson and a reminder, but what does this have to do with listening to God's Word and humbly accepting God's Word? I think two things. First, I think James is reminding us that our human conversations with one another are one of the chief means by which God himself communicates to us. People often speak words of truth to us, especially brothers and sisters in Christ who have hidden God's word in their hearts. And so when we fail to be quick to listen and we fail to be slow to speak, and especially if we're quick to become angry because we don't like the truth they speak, we may actually be refusing the word of God itself brought to us by the people of God according to the will of God. We are not just rejecting their words, we're rejecting His through them. Be slow to speak and quick to listen to the truth and wisdom of your friends and sometimes even your enemies, God might be speaking to you through them. But secondly, beyond our human relationships, I believe James is also telling us something about how we relate to God. Because even with him, we are, let's admit it, quick to speak, slow to listen. We interrupt God. We tune him out, edit his words, rather than humbly receive his words before he's even finished his sentence, we launch right into our lecture about why our opinion is right, why his take is wrong. Anyone else guilty? Again, I am. What's more, we're quick to become angry when he tells us something that we don't want to hear. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, not only with your friends, but also with your God. Let's put this into practice. I want to urge you to set aside time this summer to spend time in God's Word. Read the Bible. Let's be honest, for many of us, the chaos of the last year has completely disrupted whatever routine or desire you once had to be in Scripture. Or maybe you never had a routine, or maybe you're brand new to the Christian faith, just getting curious. All of us right now are slowly burrowing out of this pandemic, you know, kind of like those cicadas. Maybe that's not a very inspiring image for you, but burrowing out. And maybe this is the perfect time for you to cultivate a new rhythm of time in God's word. I want to recommend this resource to you. It's a book called A Habit Called Faith, 40 Days in the Bible to Follow, Find and Follow Jesus. It's written by Jen Pollock Michelle, a, a wonderful author and Bible teacher. This book prompts you to read a, a passage from Scripture, and then it offers a brief four-page reflection, and then supplies one or two short reflection questions, and it invites you to do this each day for 40 days. Uh, 40 days is enough of a commitment to actually help you establish a new routine, but it's also not so long and overwhelming that it feels like forever. 
If you were to order it this week, you can actually start this book and start your reading and be finished by the beginning or the middle of August, charged up and ready for the start of fall. But remember, the goal is not just to read the Bible, it's to listen. It's to humbly accept and receive God's Word. And I need to say this too, because for a lot of Christians, any reference to reading the Bible can trigger a flood of guilt or dread. So please don't just hear this as a rebuke from the Lord. Hear God's invitation of love. This is an invitation to truth, an invitation to, yeah, freedom, an invitation to see yourself. It's an invitation to see God. So listen to the word. But that's not all that our passage teaches us. In fact, it's not even the primary thing it says about how we're to relate to Scripture. Not only must we listen to the word, friends, we must do the word. Do the word. Look at verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. As important as it is to listen to the word, James warns us against mere listening, superficial listening. Verse 22 tells us that this is a form of spiritual deception. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. We can be led to think we know God simply because we know about His words. We can recite the words, retell the stories. This can lead us to be deceived about our true spiritual state before God. It's kind of like when you need to install some new software on your computer. I don't know if you've done that recently. Maybe it's a photo editing software. You know, you want to put some glam on your selfies. Or maybe you're ready to start making some TikTok videos, right? So you click on the button that says download, and that's when the computer starts to pull down from the internet all the different files that you need to run that application. And it always takes too long, doesn't it? But eventually it's done downloading. But then there's a second step. You need to push the button that says what? Install. And what that does is it takes all those files that were just downloaded and it moves them to all different parts of your computer to make the thing work. Without taking that latter step, the new software won't work. Listen, some of us have downloaded God's Word. It's here but we haven't installed that word into our lives. It's not actually operational in our daily lives. But we're deceived, and we've deceived ourselves into thinking that we're the next spiritual TikTok queen. You might have heard the word, but as commentator Doug Moo said about these verses, the person who fails to do the word is a person who has not truly accepted God's word at all. Jesus himself says the same thing in Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Friends, have you only downloaded the word merely hearing it? Or have you also installed it into your life, doing it, living in line with its truth and grace? And what is it specifically? that we're called to do? 
Well, James names three examples. Listen for them as I read verses 26 and 27. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So three examples of doing. First, controlling our words. Verse 26 talks about keeping a tight rein on our tongues. James expands on this lesson about our speech later on in chapter 3, so we'll keep this brief. We'll come back to it later in a few weeks. But here he uses the imagery of a tamed animal like a horse kept in check by a bridle and, and a tight rein. See, we must not be careless with our words. They have the power to build up or to destroy. I mean, here's a question worth considering, friends. What is the impact of your words on those around you? What do your daily words reveal about what's in your heart? Think about it. Second, James reminds us to show concern for our most vulnerable neighbors. Verse 27, look after orphans and widows in their distress. In the ancient world, orphans and widows were among the most socially vulnerable members of society. Time and again throughout the Bible, God expresses a specific concern for these dear people and calls his people to care for them as well. Do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, he commands in Jeremiah 7, 6. And he calls us to this ministry of compassion because it reflects and resonates with God's own heart. In Psalm 68, 5, God himself is called a father to the fatherless and defender of widows. Now, here's one concrete way that you can respond to this call. On the weekend of July 10th, so just in a couple short weeks, our deacons and deaconesses will be hosting a Loving Our Neighbor Well workshop. There you'll be hearing testimonies from different members about how they've tried to love their neighbors, and you'll learn about how to share the love of Christ with your neighbors. You know, after the last year of distance and difficulty, I know many of you are itching for opportunities, itching for opportunities to love and serve our local neighbors, especially those that have been most devastated by the pandemic. Here's a chance for you to learn and grow in this direction. Let's learn to love our neighbors. But there's a third example of doing the word that James mentions. It's found in the last line of our passage, keep oneself from being polluted by the world. He's not saying that everything in the world around us is evil or corrupt. Remember, we're, we were already told in verse 17 last week that every good and perfect gift comes from our Heavenly Father. The whole world abounds with the gifts and the blessings of God. But we're also reminded here that our world is fallen nonetheless. And there are corrupting influences that run contrary to the heart of God that we need to be aware of and that we need to resist. Really, it could be any number of things in the list in the Bible could be long. The lust for comfort and success, 
distorted views about human relationships and human bodies, uh, hyper-individualistic priorities that make us indifferent toward our neighbor, uh, the pressure to make any one of your personal attributes your ultimate identity. Don't be naive about the influence of our surrounding culture, James says. Keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Care with our words, concern for the vulnerable, resistance against the sins of our culture. These are three ways James says we must do the word of God. Three things that he cites as proofs of pure and blameless religion. That's an ancient word referring to the fear of God and the worship of God. And I just want to point out briefly that James masterfully chooses three examples of obedience. One related to our private, interpersonal lives, our speech. One related to social action in our public lives, our love for orphans and widows. And one related to our relationship with the values of our culture, our resistance to the world. What's fascinating to me is that most of us, and most Christian tribes will tend to favor one of these, maybe two. Uh, relationships and private morality are what matters. My words, no, 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 no. Social action is what matters. No, resistance against the influence of the world is what matters. We choose one. James calls us to all three. He says that doing all these things are part of doing the word of God, caring about our relationships and our private lives, caring about the way that we engage our neighbors in the public sphere, caring about the influence of the culture upon us and our influence upon it. Now, in light of this, maybe the best way to respond to this part of the passage is to choose maybe your least favorite. <laughs> Rather than your pet application, your most favorite of these three, challenge yourself and consider the breadth of what James says we must do in accordance with God's word. Friends, God is inviting you to the blessing of God, to freedom in the gospel, to true life in Christ. Brothers and sisters, listen to the word. Do the word. Let's pray. Jesus, we look to you as our only hope because we're weak, because we run from listening. We resist and we don't want to do. And this is impossible apart from your grace that not only forgives us when we fail, but also gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to be more like you, who heeded your Father's voice perfectly and who lived a perfect life of righteousness. And you've done that in our place, and today you do that in and through us as well. So give us your spirit, give us grace, and thank you for your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen.